Do you think bananas are healthy? Think again. I'm Dr. Stephen Gundry, best-selling author of the Plant Paradox series, and on the Dr. Gundry podcast, you're going to learn the foods to eat and the ones to avoid, to lose weight, boost your energy, and feel your most vibrant, active self this year. You'll also learn simple tips from the world's top experts on health and nutrition. Plus, you'll discover the truth about calories, how running could actually be hurting your health, and why fat won't make you fat. Subscribe now to the Dr. Gundry Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Because I'm Dr. Gundry, and I'm always looking out for you. Hey everybody, welcome to Dr. Who Podcast. Appreciate y'all being here. I uh, appreciate you supporting the people that support us so we can keep doing this thing and keep the winds in the sail of the Corolla pirate ship, as I like to say, or as he likes to say. Uh, in any event, uh, if you have suggestions, by the way, for people you'd like to see me interview here, uh, please send them. You know, best ways actually would be at contact at drdrew.com and specify you'd like to see some inter- this whoever it is you're suggesting on the Dr. Drew Podcast. That is sort of our clearinghouse area for all stuff. Um, Related to all the things I do. Uh, if you have things you'd like to see on the streaming show, which is a live show at drdrew.tv, just let me know Same at that same place, contact. That show has been more about sort of trying to make sense of COVID and lockdowns. And, and you know, I, first of all, just make sense of things for people because what's in the press is nonsensical and just try to make make – you know, make sense out of what's out there. Uh, and also we are uh, trying to make it a place where people who eh, have been censored, have difficulty giving their opinion, maybe I poke on them a little bit, see what they have to say. I, I really believe it's so important for alternative opinions to be out there. I don't have to agree with them, but I have to sort of hear them, listen to them. Maybe they can adjust my opinion or refine my position. This idea of silencing people that have I mean, I, I just interviewed Alex Berenson the other day and he had a lot of interesting stuff. I, I expanded my understanding of some of the decision-making that went on early in the pandemic. And he is off Twitter, kicked off Twitter, I think permanently. And that's insanity. So that's good. So please uh, do that. And again, we um, when we do that, we sometimes take calls off Clubhouse. And uh, you can also go on my restream there and be in the chat. I tend to watch that during those during those broadcasts, and then we stream out on Rumble, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, uh, anywhere. Anywhere you can get stuff, we simultaneously send it out. Uh, so it ends up being sort of a live broadcast almost. And uh, again, suggestions at contact at drdrew.com. And we appreciate you here. Appreciate you uh, being a part of this. For this one, for this pod, I mean, After Dark is its own thing. I, I, don't take, I don't take any direction there. That's sort of – I'm plopped into that. But uh, this we tend to be more um, – a little headier on this podcast. We like people that are um, sort of clinical or scientists or have, you know, really, I don't know, Alex Berenson's, an, obviously we've seen him here, but I I think to me, like my ultimate guest on this podcast is like Sean Carroll, who, by the way, not not talking to us anymore for some reason. Is that true? I No, I don't think that it's specific to us. I think he's not talking to anyone right now. He's working okay. He's working on a project, and I think he just kind of said, I'm stepping back from everything for a, several months to just put my head down. Well, you, he, you know what he did? He left Caltech. I mean, he was a star professor, a teacher anyway at Caltech, and he left Caltech to do just digital media to teach. So anyway, he's he's another one, I, you know. And you know, I thought maybe we could bring back um, Katie Morton or something. It was a good interview with her last time. Yeah, absolutely. We yeah, had some, a we had a great returning guest booked for today actually, and he woke up feeling uh, sick. Sound, didn't it, based on how it was described to me, it sounds more like the stomach bug that's going around LA right now. Have great. you heard of, heard of not, this? I have not. I, I've heard of several people who are testing negative for COVID, but are having bad bouts of throwing up for like you know twenty four hours. My and, dog is at the vet right now with exactly that. Maybe he's got the same thing. Who knows? Uh, interesting, but okay. Uh, who can you say who it was? Yeah, it was Robert Green. We're gonna have him. We're gonna uh, reschedule him very soon. He's uh, a good friend of ours. He was back on episode three seventy in early twenty nineteen, and a friend of our uh, very often returning guest Ryan Holiday. So, yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll see him is, soon. He is Ryan Holiday's muse. He's written many books. He tried to inspire me to write a book that I almost went ahead and did. Sorry, I got to jump in here because my dog has been throwing up for the last 24 hours as well. Yeah, weird, right? I, I don't know. I assume we, we finally got – and it's, impo- it's as hard to get a vet as it is to get a f- medical doctor for a physician. Uh, so we finally found a, de- a vet in like La Crescenta. So Susan can tell you where that is if you want to know. And uh, my feeling on our dog is 
it's pine cone season, so pine cones are dropping out of our tree like crazy. And our dog has like pica syndrome. He, when he was a puppy, he ate rocks, and we had to have them literally surgically removed from his small mouth. The guy's, the guy's a nut job. Uh, my dog. But I noticed that the squirrels are going nuts on our pine cones and are pulling off all the little like pine cones have little leaves on them. He loves to eat those. My bet is he's got one of those stuck somewhere. So. Interesting. But he might have been a virus too. I mean, who knows? We'll see. Maybe they'll. Maybe it'll be interesting here if the vet has seen that. And, and Matt, I will let you know if they have. All right, we're taking calls today. Uh, we do like doing call shows once in a while, or you know, maybe combining calls and interviews. Is that what's happening here? Uh, this might we're, we're going to see. This, <laughs> right, this might be uh, combined with a half call show we did a few weeks ago. So okay, you know okay. we'll, we'll just two see. half call shows. All right, excellent. Because we like having the call shows on hand in case the interviews run short. We can uh, put the calls or on. somebody gets sick or somebody gets sick like Robert Green, who who would have been a great. I'd love talking. He to will him. be. I, I am in close right. contact. They were very apologetic. Right. And see, it's no problem. He'll be back. Full very respect. Uh, my, by the way, Douglas got a hold of his last book. What what is it called? It's one with all these daily sort of. Uh, it's sort of an amalgamation of all his books, but it's done in sort of daily bites. Uh, and he just – my Douglas is going crazy over it. So my son. The Laws of Human Nature? Law, I think – I think that's it. I think it's the, law, the laws or something. Like oh, it, there, there is also the 48 laws of power. So maybe no, it's that No, one. it's the laws. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a daily sort of. Yeah, the laws of human nature. That was a book he was coming on to promote. Yeah, yeah. And he, he's sort of, I've read it too. And he sort of does it by category, but you kind of read it in daily bites kind of thing. All right, let's take some calls. Uh, this is uh, Shelly. Hey, Shelly. Hi. Hey thanks there. so much for taking my call. You betcha. I am calling um, because a few weeks ago, I think it was six or eight weeks ago, I heard you talk on your show about Regeneron, and I'm calling to say thank you. Because of your experience, my husband and I um, were both fully vaccinated, but we came down with COVID a few weeks ago, yeah. and Regeneron changed. It was a game changer for it's, us. It's for both wild. of us within isn't, 24 hours. Isn't it, it crazy? Amazing. It's crazy. I, I actually felt better during the infusion. Did you have that experience? Uh, I did not. My husband did. By the by, three or four hours later, my husband felt completely different. Uh, better. It took me the full day. Um, the next day, I finally felt. I woke up feeling better. But I wanted to ask you, how can we help share more about Regeneron? Because I have so many friends right now. We have four friends that are hospitalized, fully vaccinated with COVID, and they had no idea about Regeneron. They weren't offered it. Nobody talks about it. Their doctors weren't offering it. So how can we share more about it? Shelly, it is one of the most... There have been very many frustrating things about this pandemic, but that has been one of the most serious frustrations for me. I immediately, I, I when I got sick, it was right when the monoclonal antibodies became available, uh, and they were particularly effective at that time. You, you didn't need the Regeneron; you could actually take the the uh, what did I take the Lily product, the bamlanivimab. But now the the virus has come up with some resistance against some of these. You have to put multiple monoclonal antibodies in an in infusion. Regeneron already had a couple of anti- different ones in it. Um, and, but I could tell, I knew immediately what a, what a game changer this was. The, the next day, I went out on Instagram Live and every day was just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And what I got back was, oh, you're so special. You got this special treatment. I was like, no, it's available and it's free. The con- At that point, the government had bought 750,000 doses of this thing and they were just sitting on the shelf. It was the most astonishing thing to me. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. I hear you talk about this all the time. Yeah. And I feel way more informed than most. But if I tested positive for COVID tomorrow, I wouldn't know what to do. I'd have to call you. Like what as a as an Angelino. It, it depends where you are. Yeah. It actually depends where you are. Here, I think Caremark distributes it. But I don't think you'd get Is it. Is different where I live? You might not get it. For, okay. So there's a, there's a legitimate part of this that's concerning. Yeah. That, which is it's a moving target. They, they changed the criteria. Terrible. I know. Like Florida, just you had to ask for it. That was it. California, we'll have to, let's look, look it up. See, see right now what the criteria. I don't think you'd get it because you're probably too young. Uh, how old are you, Shelley? I'm 36, um, and I only qualified for it because I had brain surgery two years ago, so I was right. high risk anyways. My husband barely qualified for it. He's 35, incredibly healthy. His BMI was 25.25%, and that's what got it for him. But we agreed. We're in Northern Virginia. And we said, hey, if we can't get it here, we're going to drive to Florida because we had heard from your story and read about it, how incredible it was. So I thought, well, hey, it's worth driving. It, it, it literally it. is. It literally is, as you found out. So the, the answer to your question is we all got to keep talking about it, talking about it, pushing it out there, telling people. I, I, the, the, to me, the fact that physicians don't offer it 
and they're still telling people to go home until they desaturate. I just it just kills me. It just I just I like I'm disgusted by that. And it's like I feel like I'm smelling something awful when I even think about physicians not treating sick people and not preventing them from getting sicker when we have these great treatments available. Steroids, again, steroids are a little more controversial, but there's pretty clear evidence, in my opinion, that in moderate to severe cases, there is some real benefit. What do you find, Gary? Uh, Orange County is what I was looking at because that's where I live yeah. and where I'm most likely to be. Yeah. And it says there is currently a national shortage of monoclonal well, antibodies. Well, that's true, but that's and, true. And then it basically goes on to say you can fill out this form if you want them, but if you you know don't necessarily expect to be accepted. So I agree with you. Based on my age, I doubt that I'm going to be – Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Florida bought up a bunch because they saw this coming. I My prediction, though, is – Probably even by the time this comes out, because the monoclonal antibodies are going to be key against breakthroughs in Omicron. Uh, and although the Omicron probably is a little more resistant to some of these monoclonal antibodies, I, I still believe they're going to adjust to that very, very quickly. My bet is they're going to be pushing this out pretty vigorously pretty soon. So stand by on availability. Uh, and was it hard to find the information? It was not so not very hard to find yeah. the information. And what I will also say is I just basically went through – I wanted to go to baseline to like what anyone listening could do. So mm-hmm. I went to the Orange County Health Department website. Yeah. But above that, there are several boutique places that suggest that if you have a few bucks, you can maybe have a, a concierge service come to the uh, house or something like that. Really? Yeah. Or, or maybe not come to the house, but maybe you – know, What places- do they say in terms of reimbursement? Because, because that's the way in California it's generally done. It's generally done they, – they come to you. You don't have to go to a center, uh, right? So here, I'm like the first one that came up is yeah. is a business called Drip Hydration, and it says yeah. for between a thousand and fifteen hundred bucks, they'll Ugh. come to your house. And All right, you so up. see what's happening, everybody. You see, so because they're not, oh, because our government is not staying on top of this, uh, it's a market is developing, and now if you have money, you can get treatment. If you don't, so now, so now, what I was being criticized for before. Now that's reality. Now it's reality. And and uh, that breaks my heart. That is disgusting. But I will tell you, I don't know if you saw what Pre- President Biden – listen, I am – because I'm such a moderate, I will happily give credit when people on either side do the right thing. Biden, for the last 36 hours, I thought has been pretty much spot on. His first thing was, hey, this Omicron thing, yeah, it's we're, we're worried. We're looking at it, but don't don't stop. Don't worry about it. Perfect. Then he's coming out with some sort of mandate around mono, monoclonal antibody strike teams. Look up monoclonal antibody strike team. I, I was reading about it this morning. I couldn't tell what they were, but I like the idea. I like the, that they're coming up with something. So, Shelly, I'd keep an eye on that, on these so-called strike teams. I don't, I don't really know what they're going to be, but uh, this is the future. And then, you know, look, it, <laughs> the fact they tried to panic everyone on Omicron is also disgusting, right? Because now we have we have vaccination that reduces the intensity. We have monoclonal antibodies that takes care of it very quickly. We have steroids, and we are just about to have molnupiravir, and we will soon have Paxlovid. And then this thing is not a thing. <laughs> this thing is just kind of over at that point. And for them, the, yes, there are a potential for viruses to get around it. But as you see, it looks like, at least, the, the current suggestion of how this virus is behaving in the Omicron case, is it gets kind of weaker. It gets weaker. Even if it gets around the some of the stuff, it gets around the monoclonal antibodies, Moderna is less resistant. Yeah, it gets around a little bit, but it's also less less virulent. And I, I'm hoping... That will be the trend. We need another data point before we know that, but I think that will be the trend. Gary? It appears that he's put together 20 monoclonal antibody strike teams that can be deployed as outbreaks are identified. So it's And it seems like it's focused on Omicron, but it seems like there's 20 teams of people who can, so go, into bring a, regional, uh, they can go into a community and do testing and administer at monoclonal uh, antibodies. I don't know if that's going to work. I mean, they need like... 3,000 strike teams to well, make it work. 20 when compared to the 50 states, that seems tough. It, it seems ridiculous. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but but okay, Shelly, keep an eye on it. At least it's moving in the right direction, okay? Thank you for bringing this Thanks, up. Thanks, Nothing more important than this right now. And so just keep pushing it out there. Put it on Twitter. Put it wherever you can, okay? Perfect. Thanks right. so much. You bet. Thanks for the call. Uh, let us talk to uh, Matt. Matt, what's going on? You live. You live, buddy. What's happening? Um. Hey, I had a question because, you know, you're seeing a lot of the numbers with regard to vaccination. 
solely based on who's gotten the shot and who's not. And I was wondering if there's any data point that you have with people that have had the disease over the course of this disease commingled with the vaccination rate. Wait, 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 a general understanding of how much actual um, immunity is in the, in the nation as opposed to just a vax rate. I don't right. know if there's any data point. Is there any like that? Uh, so, so your question is how much natural immunity is there, right? That's one of your questions, correct? Yes, okay. correct. So, so that's and, the, uh, that's whenever you see the word serology, that's what they're talking about. Serology means antibodies. And so well, that's what they're meaning. That's just sort of the, the phrase that they use when they're studying antibodies. And so whenever you see serological studies, that's antibody studies. Those studies, in my opinion, have been all over the place. And, and then there's a second question on serology studies, which is that you can have positive serology the way they're testing it and still not have adequate what's called neutralizing antibodies. And there's a, th- there's a third problem in sort of standardizing the interpretation of these tests. Stay with me, which is that we don't know what it means necessarily to have suboptimal neutralizing antibodies because you could have adequate T-cell armies standing by to produce more neutralizing antibodies if you get confronted with the antigen, with the virus. So the, the problem with all that data, in my humble opinion, they haven't standardized yet how to interpret these things. So for a while, I was working for a company called Additix. They have this thing called Additix Score. I'm still on a research protocol with them. It's not a formal study. It's sort of an informal anecdotal study, but I am a case, an N of one. They studied me while I was sick. They studied me after I recovered. They studied me when I got the – I took the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and got real sick. Uh, and then they studied me again just recently, about three weeks ago. And the way my and, and we do know that about thirty percent of people have a significant drop off in their immune response. Whether those people also don't have a T cell sort of reserve ready, follow Monica Gandhi. But you know we should bring Monica Gandhi in here, Gary. She her her Twitter handle is at Monica Gandhi G A N D H I nine at Monica Gandhi nine. She is an infectious disease specialist. She's an HIV doc. Been around working in that field as long as I have. She is uh, an epidemiologist. She knows what she's talking about. She's a professor at university, or she's a full professor or associate professor at UC San Francisco, and uh, she really watches carefully these issues and is trying to keep us all updated on what we can and can't say about this very issue you're asking, Matt. My bet is that that most people that have natural immunity will have adequate and good immunity against the virus, including Omicron. Could you get sick? Yeah, you get sick. Could you – here's where the rubber hits the road. The reason those people are being urged to get immunized is because we are unwilling to do the testing necessary to figure out amongst the group who have natural immunity who really needs to be immunized. So in other words, if my theory is correct that about 30 40% of people – lose their immunity, that's my guess, let's say 30% for sake of argument, you have to test to see who's sort of below the threshold on neutralizing antibodies, and we'd have to test their T-cell availability, and that's extremely expensive and cumbersome, and no one's willing to do it. Now, you can go do it yourself, and that's what I've done, well, thankfully, because I'm in this protocol. So what happened to me is my antibodies stayed up. They're extremely high. They started, eh, tapering a little bit. I took Johnson & Johnson, went back up to where they were. They since then have been sort of slowly tapering. They went up again recently, which suggests I was re-exposed to the virus, which is fascinating because I've had no symptoms whatsoever. Now, that's a theory. Again, no proof of that, but that's an interesting observation. The immunologist that I work with that looks at this data believes this happens a lot more than we know, frankly. Um, so there's a lot of subclinical exposure going on too, and that's kind of in your question, Matt, as well. So to answer your question, it's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah. But that, but that's why we're where we are. Uh, I wish the public health officials would spell it all out for everybody and sort of 
you know, I feel like a math teacher. Show your work. I don't care what your answer is. Just show your work. And they don't show their work. Yeah. They don't tell us why they're thinking what they're thinking. And that makes everybody uh, distrusting and concerned. And it, it makes us nervous. It makes me nervous. And when they say things, you know, I mean, when you, the head of the CDC gets up and says 80%, you know, masks works at, at 80% rate, that, there's nobody legitimate that thinks that at all. Where did she come up with that? Show me your work, right? And by the way, if it is 80% and she has some good data, please share it with us. But anyway, there you go. Does that answer your can I, question? Can I have a quick follow-up? Yeah, yeah, can I have a quick follow-up? Yeah. Um, so, you know, here in Colorado, they're making a big uh, an, uh, effort to demonstrate that 72% of the hospitalized now are the unvaccinated. So... I, if unvaccinated are getting sick right now and going to achieve natural immunity if they beat the virus, coupled with the vaccination rates in the state, what's that going to do with the virus? Is the virus going to hit a wall for a while, or what's going to happen after that? I, I'm not sure I understand the question. What do, you, what do you mean by hit a wall? I guess in the sense that with the protection from the from the vaccine, that's people that have been vaccinated and boosted in the state, and now all these unvaccinated people that are getting sick, yeah. gaining natural immunity if they beat it. What yeah. does that mean then for the um, immunity within the within the state or the country? Is that going to increase the immunity, or what's that going to do overall? That's you don't want people to have to get sick, but that's all good. And it looks like okay. now I'm going to say something out loud. I heard because I heard somebody else say it out loud too. There's a possibility that Omicron may be an excellent way to get that immunity up without endangering people, right? Because so far, right. no hospitalizations, no deaths. So, huh, maybe that'll get, be the thing that makes it a cold, you know, an upper respiratory infection exclusively or almost exclusively, and at the same time confers pretty good immunity on people. Wouldn't that be a nice thing? So, so don't yeah. don't always go doom and gloom with every one of these little news. The news they can't they can't resist. They have to fucking just panic you. It's like why why didn't they pick the last variant? You know why why not do why why? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, why did they yeah. pick this one? Just because this one has a lot of a lot of problems? Yeah, yeah. It makes it sound scarier. Is it scarier? Maybe not. Maybe better. <laughs> so, so so it's yeah. just a weird thing. So yeah. So the the fear though is that, you know, all the virus circulating through the unvaccinated is going to create more breakthrough cases. And that's the one thing you have to watch out for, right? Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank okay. you. All right. See you. Uh, excellent. Gary, what are you up to? What are you saying? You're uh, nodding a lot. No, oh, we got a few calls up there. I yeah, know, that was a friend of mine from high school that just called. Oh. I, it was actually a little brother of someone. I, who it's was a legitimate question. It was, I, I, it, was a, it was a great question. Yeah. Matt's, Matt's a smart guy. So I was just I was listening along to him. I was enjoying his call. Um, what is the update on the, the pharmaceuticals? Are we is is this Pfizer thing going to be the end? The Pfizer thing is going to be the end. That's Paxlovid. The molnupiravir, which is the Merck drug you keep hearing about, has been uh, passed through for EUA at a 13 to 10 rate. And a, I talked to a, a medical researcher a couple days ago, a guy named Vinay Prasad, recommend his podcast highly called Plenary Sessions. The guy just sees through everything. He's a brilliant reader of medical literature, and so he can help you with the stuff we're all talking about today. And um, he said that you know a 13 to 10 split is not uncommon. And that usually they will approve things even when there's a split like that. Uh, what those 10 people saw or thought, I don't know. It would be nice to know that. Uh, the Paxlovid, why they're not rushing that to market, I don't know. I don't get it. But they should be because <laughs> that will really be the end of this. Because then the shortage of the monoclonal antibodies won't be so problematic. And, and all the studies, the way we do studies on new medications, we always do it on the sickest people that have – you know, maybe the least to lose and the most to gain. And in very sick people, it works remarkably well. My prediction is you're going to start using it much earlier in the illness and you'll see much greater efficacy. That's, that's the, that's the plan. Interesting. And that, so the Merck one is the one that will get in calendar year 2021 and Pfizer will be later. Pfizer will be later. I, I again, I, I just shake my head at why it's not happening faster. I just don't understand it. I just, I just don't understand it. I mean, the conspiracy theorists would say they want to sell more vaccines, right? No, it's not. The The drug company is rushing. They are busting their balls oh, together. It's the government? It's the FDA, yeah. I mean, if they had done the same thing with these medication that they had done with the vaccine, we would already have it available, like months ago. All right, let's talk to uh, Tina. What's going on? I just asked you a question. I said, why are you interviewing Aaron Carter? 
Um, do I discriminate against people I interview? Why? why what's the problem with Aaron interviewing Anna Carter? Maybe okay, so have you not done? I just have a valid question. Have you not done research on him? I don't. Lately? I don't. Why would I do research on somebody who wants to come do an interview? Not be okay. his. Listen to me. Do, listen do to me. Under- not to be his doctor. Not to be his doctor. To interview him to see what's going on. Should he, should someone who's been misbehaving on social media be silenced and be unable to be interviewed in public? Is that what you're suggesting? No, he no, he can be. You can totally interview him. But what we are who's we concerned about who's is we? that you're going to believe who's his we? lies. Who is we? Uh, a lot of people. Why do you, why do you care? Why, why do you care? He is and the people who what, don't what is he? Him for what so he what is he? He's a liar. He's a scammer. Okay, so he's a. We know he has. He substance. just had a baby that he doesn't even. Supposedly, he called all the tabloids yesterday to get clout for kicking his baby's mama out. So we know he, he hasn't touched that baby in two days, Doctor Drew. So Tina, we we know he has substance use disorder, right? He has he has addiction. And guess what people with addiction do? Guess what they do? You know what they do? You ready? They lie. They lie and and they I don't know. They do drugs. They lie and they do drugs. That's what they do. That's what they always okay. do. That's so, all they do. So and if you're going to interview somebody so with this disease, play? they're going to be lying and have use of drugs. Now, if they're struggling, God bless them. I'm I'm happy for. Them. I hope. I hope. I I Bob Forrest was the biggest lying piece of shit you ever saw in your life when he was in his disease. You have no idea. He was. I talked to Dave Navarro about him yesterday. He was like, yeah, Bob was the worst of the worst. Bob Forrest is now a legendary treatment professional because he got into recovery. He changed things around. His disease remitted. In his disease, he was doing horrible things and a horrible person, not because he was a horrible person, because his disease led him into a horrible place. That's how that disease works. I hope Aaron Carter gets better. I hope he. I, I don't. You know, it's I up would to argue him. that him spending time with you is probably a step in that direction. It, it might be, but I don't intend it to be. I'm just always no, curious. Just the, way, just the way we talk about anybody here. Just curious to talk to people and see, hear what's going on with them, get their point of view, and see what's going on. And if it's an addict, I'm talking to. Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I always have a drink, grain of thought. Huh, how about that? Now, and here, and Tina, let me let me flip this around. If he's lying and doing drugs, I don't want him around that baby. Do you? No. Okay. Well, there you go. He's not around the baby. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, he's in another room doing drugs and doing do you, whatever, showing are you, guns and shit on Instagram. He's in the other room. And so, do you know that he's? Do you know? Do you have a tracker on him or something where you know where he is? And, and why do you care? What's going <laughs> really, on? That you do? Ca- I have a tracker. And why do you no. care about Aaron Carter? He puts it, because he puts it all out there. So that's up to this him. Is what you don't. So what? You There's an unfollow you know button. You know you need yeah, to interview is Gamble. Who? Who's that? Gamble. Who? Gamble.tv on YouTube. That's who you need to interview. And who is that? Because he's got all of it. And and why do I? Why would I care about it, whatever it is? Why, why, why am I interested because in that? he is a pedophile. There's proof. He's had several restraining orders. From his siblings, he's a drug addict, and now he's around a newborn child that he doesn't even touch. Correct. He's not around the newborn child. Do you want him around the child or not around the child? Which do you no. prefer? Okay, good. Nobody he's not. Wants him around good. The he's child. not. He doesn't touch the child. He's not around the child. Good. Okay. But he's still in the same house. Hello. Do you know that for a fact? Yeah, I do know that for so a fact. You, have, you do have a tracker on him. Viewing okay. it on Instagram. From yesterday till today. Okay. If you go watch his Instagram, it's all over the place. All right. And is it like a, I is said, it, is it you video? Need to interview Gamble TV. All right. He's got all of the information. And, and just That's help me understand why why I care. Why would I be concerned about that? It's a gentleman, young man because who's struggling. You're trying to help this. I'm not kid? trying to help him. I'm not his doctor. I'm not trying to help him. He he came and wanted to do an interview. Okay, like any other American, he's entitled to speak, unless here he's got to say, 
I have a certain sort of expertise, or I may be able to poke at him a little bit and confront some stuff. I'm not his doctor. I am not his doctor. Okay, but he's claiming you are. No, he's not. No, he's not. Yes, no, he is. No, so he's watch not. His Instagram. No, he's not. No, did he sign a patient treatment contract with me? Did he? I, did, no, I don't know. Not. But he's right. claiming you are his Tina, doctor. Didn't right you just now. tell me he lies? Didn't you just tell me that? Why do you he believe? He does lie. Why yes. do you, Tina? Are you using drugs? Are you using substances? No. Okay. No. So, so why would you believe a liar when he says I'm his doctor? It's not that I believe him. That's what I'm telling you he's saying. That's okay. It's not the truth. Okay? But right. you understand that's what that's where the DX comes from. The when D- you were questioning where DX, what DX is. Oh, yeah. What is that? Like I said, you need to interview Gamble.tv. All right. All right. Yeah, I saw his name come up. What, what, is D, what is D? I don't... Proof of what? What is DX? DX is part of Gamble. Okay. And Gamble's got the proof about Aaron being a pedophile and the drugs and the guns and okay. everything so, that he's so got Tina, right now. Tina, he's a drug addict and he does drugs. Okay. Uh, you don't need any proof. He, he said it himself. He, he is identified as an addict. So need no proof. He said it. That's it. Done. And when he's using, if he's using, I don't know, he'll be lying. Even when he's not using, if no. he's not well in recovery, he'll be lying. He, Number one. No, he, he said he's four years sober. Well, from Huster, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true or not. But as you said, he's a liar. So maybe not. We'll see. So that's that. All right. I don't care. Aaron Carter is a I wish him the best. Tina, I wish you the best. If Aaron Carter would like to an interview, I'm all about it. I'm not his doctor. Maybe raising some issues with him might get him contemplating getting towards treatment again. He was in treatment. I do know that. He's been he's been open about that and had some sustained sobriety. If he's struggling now, good that he's not around the doctor or the the uh, baby rather. But in terms of you m- m- believing what he's saying or creating narratives based on what he's saying, I would urge you against that if he's using. If he's using. If he's not, I will see. So, again, whatever. Uh, T, what's going on? T. Uh-oh, is T not there? Uh, <laughs> T from Connecticut? Maybe T had enough of it with Tina. Wouldn't blame her. Yeah. Question about using a move. Oh, there you are. All right. What's happening? What's going on? I'm calling because I need to ask a question. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, it's, it's kind of not a loaded question, but it's kind of, um, anyway, long story short. So I wanted to know at what point is it okay for a person that you're in a relationship with to use your vulnerabilities or your insecurities as a weapon to prove their point against I, you? I, I'm not sure so, what you like, yeah. I'm not sure what you okay. mean by prove your okay. point, but 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 the what you have set up, I would say is never okay. <laughs> it's never okay to mm-hmm. manipulate or to to take advantage of vulnerabilities. That seems like no. That seems that seems Machiavellian to me. Understood, because at this point, like where I'm at is, um, I'm in a relationship where, I'm, and I'm going to be very honest. Like I've hid some things, I've lied about some things in regards to financial situations, and um, the person, my mate, he's very angry that you lied. So very, very early that you lied. Very angry that you lied. Rather, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, that's reasonable, so right? Yes, very mm-hmm. much so. He's very disrespect. You know, he feels very disrespected, and feels like there's, you know, lack of of you know, like I don't trust him, or like I, I basically like I disrespected him, and that's understandable. It's not lost on me whatsoever. Okay. However, at this point, his anger has has boiled to the point where he'll use things that I've spoken about in regards to my growing up, like my insecurities. I'm adopted, so I had like this insecurity of not being wanted. Then the person that I was adopted by told me he didn't want me because of my complexion or because oh I was God. ugly. Oh, I'm then so sorry. Then I ended up in a very abusive relationship. Okay, well, so, so here's the deal. Well, T, you need treatment, my dear. We got to get some trauma therapy and re- rebuild your capacity for trust and closeness because going through all that, that just gets shattered. Woo, I'm, I'm so sorry. And it's, it's just really like I, I met <clears throat> I met my husband after leaving 
the abusive relationship. And then I ended up losing my adoptive mom. And then a year later, you losing my adoptive dad. Then that same year, losing my birth mother. Then the next year, using losing my... Yeah, I mean, it's been a lot. I get it. A lot it. of trauma. I get so he's it. he's very angry. And he says things that are just so below the belt. I'm so sorry. So you've recreated, you've recreated the I feel abusive. Like he's blaming me for everything right. that he says. So, so like T, you so, brought so, hold me on, to this hold point. On. So here's the deal. He's hurt. He feels insecure. He, he feels like he can't trust you. It scares him. He obviously really does love you, or at least feels very attached to you, and is very worried now that he's he can't he can't maintain that attachment because of the lack of trust or the violation of the trust. You can earn his trust back. You can't demand he give it to you. You can say, please, I'm sorry. I want to earn your trust back. And maybe you can't, but you, you, you've you recreated an abusive relationship, right? You've recreated yeah. it. You found another way to get a man to abuse you. I, and I... This is not, I'm sorry. That sounds like you're you're to blame for it. What happens when no, you... No, 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 no. I understand. I understand yeah. wholeheartedly. Yeah. I understand. When, when you've been a trauma survivor, you end up just automatically finding circumstances and people. You're attracted to them. And lo and behold, you end up recreating it all over again. Not intentionally, not because you want it, not because it's your fault. It's the, it's the, it's the maps that your brain sets for you. And you just follow the maps. And you need to... You need to untangle all that, and that's what therapy would be about. You got to get some trauma therapy, and in the meantime, ask you know, apologize, and don't don't make you know, tell him you understand that this is difficult for them and hurtful, and that you really acknowledge all the feelings he's having, and ask, may you can you earn his his trust back, and then say, hey, look, not only do I want to learn your trust back, I'm going to go get a trauma therapist, and we're going to work on this. Tia, I'm so sorry. Thank you for that call. But there's there's really a lot to be done here. Please do it. We have to take a little break. Bring it back with other calls as, uh, as soon as we return. You heard me talk about our friends at Fume. That's right. Smoking cessation. Whatever edge you can get to stop smoking, nothing is more important for your health. As I've told you, I'm coaching up uh, Dawson to try to get him to stop smoking, and I gave him fume. It replaces the hand-to-mouth sort of behavior. It's plant-packed cores, no smoke, no vape, no nicotine, no harmful chemicals. And look, giving fume is not an awkward gift. It's saying we really care about you. We don't want your life to be truncated by tobacco and smoking. With fume, you have an enjoyable, benefit-packed way to quit. comes with new olive wood fume, unique wood grain, and in four unique flavors, snickerdoodle, candy cane, eggnog cookies, spiced orange. Head to breathefume.com slash true. The fume is spelled F-U-M. Use that code Drew to save 10% on your order today. Again, go to breathefume, B-R-E-A-T-H-E-F-U-M.com slash Drew to get your holiday box today and start giving the gift of life, the gift of quitting smoking. That's breathefume.com slash Drew to save that 10%. Holidays are here, and Zbiotics is a product to include in your festivities. Zbiotics, world's first genetically engineered probiotic that looks after the effects of alcohol. It's developed by a PhD scientist. This technology is patented, and Zbiotics breaks down the byproduct of alcohol, acetaldehyde. That's the chemical that does a lot of damage with alcohol. And uh, the pre-alcohol probiotic help you keep living, whether it's uh, your morning workout or having a productive work day. It, it helps you. So drink Zbiotics before a few responsible beverages so that you can wake up and seize the day. Zbiotics is for people who like to be prepared. It will not affect intoxication. It's not a medical management. If you have an alcohol problem, this, this is not the way to manage it. It's not a magic bullet. And uh, consider just insurance for people around the holidays, especially. There are only three ingredients in Zbiotics: the bioengineered probiotic, water, and natural flavor. It's not a mixture of vitamin or minerals. It's science designed to do one job and uh, give it a try. It's Zbiotics. Our friends at BetterHelp, this podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp Online Therapy. You've heard me talk about them many times. And we're looking at stigma now, and some people think that, you know, therapy is for people that have a problem, but no, we all have a brain, and our brains need help, just like our musculoskeletal system does, and our sometimes our heart or our stomach. You can recognize that all humans have emotions, and we need to learn to regulate them and optimize them. And of course, people have been taught that mental health... Uh, isn't necessarily a part of normal life, but it should be. We, we go to great lengths to look after our physical health. Why not our brain health? 
BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, even live chat sessions. With your therapist, you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try. See why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy, including some of my own family and, pa- and patients as well. And the Dr. Drew Podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Drew. That is better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Drew. Uh, today we are doing some, uh, oh, Gary, Kate Shanahan. Uh how about that? Available. So we will have, she just texted me when in the middle of the intro to this show. So we will get Kate Shanahan on the phone here too while I'm doing a couple of calls here. How Absolutely. You go mm-hmm. ahead and text me your contact info and uh, we'll. Uh, you need to, she's waiting for a, a, re, um, a response from me. So if you would get right to it, I'm going to send it to you right now. There's Gary Smith. Wait a minute. God, this is really cool. Oh, you got the, you got the message from me? Yeah, it's coming through as an airdrop on my computer, it looks like. Okay, forget it. I'm going to text it to you. Uh, This is real time. uh, Hey, man, this is podcasting. Podcast producing. Here we go, Gary Smith. There you go. Coming your way. So get her right now on the horn. You got it. And I will go on out to uh, Aaron. Aaron, what's going on? Hello, Dr. Drew. Hey, man. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Big fan. I've been listening to you guys forever um, back in the love line days. But I had a question about... uh, COVID deaths, uh, India compared to the United States, uh, months ago, <clears throat> India hit, uh, insane, like over 5,000 uh, deaths a day. And it was in the news. Uh, there was a lot of panic people. There was an oxygen shortage and months later, <clears throat> you know, their population is like three times that of the United States, but I constantly check like the statistics and the United States, we are constantly at the top at like about uh, 1,200, 1,100, and India has consisted, just, they're just sitting around like 300 deaths a day, and so, I was so, curious how there is such a difference in those numbers. So, so I, I'm curious, wait, I'm, I'm not quite following you. So are you saying that we have more deaths here? Because right, the Indian numbers are confusing. I, I don't feel like I can rely on the numbers coming out of India, but but specifically you're saying that we have more Yes, uh, daily we're at like uh, 1,200, and daily India is at like 300 or less with a population three times the size. And I don't think, I'm not sure they have as much access to the vaccine. Right, right. And it just seems like a big, big gap there. So I I don't, I have stopped trying to compare one country versus another for so many different reasons about the, just, just even take into account the data collection and the data accuracy. And the differences in the populations, both in terms of age, in terms of obesity, in terms of other medical problems, in terms of how they're documenting COVID deaths. I mean, there's just so many variables that are uncontrolled when you look at one country versus another. I have begun to think that the virus just does what it does, and it's very hard to predict given a particular population. And you can mitigate the impact with vaccine therapy, and we will be able to mitigate the impact with monoclonal antibodies, and we will also now have molnupiravir and other antivirals. I believe, if I'm right, India has bought millions and millions of doses of molnupiravir, and they're going to be handing it out all over the place. So it seems like their move is to go treat the illness rather than trying to vaccinate everybody. Am, am I right on this? I, I'm not, I've sort of stopped watching all that data because it just got too confusing and too uncertain for me. But you tell me your, your take on it. Oh, wow. I I am clueless, man. All I have is uh, I listen to your podcast and I'm constantly trying to get in, information online. And like I, like you said, I'm not sure how they calculate our COVID deaths. You know, you hear this story about some guy getting in a car wreck and dies and that's counted as COVID because he right. was infected. So right. I just wanted to get your opinion on that. But thanks I, for taking my call. Oh, anytime. I just... I. I caution everybody against drawing too much from any data right now. I, I just think the data is, I wouldn't say it's adulterated. It's just too uncontrolled in, in terms of who's collecting it, how they're collecting it, how they're documenting, what their endpoints are, what their assumptions are. It just It's just all over the place. Uh, right. And so I, I, I know that, you know, a lot of the Indian data includes conversations about ivermectin and early treatment and this and that. I like I I don't know. I, I don't know anymore. I do know that in places like the Philippines, 
where they have similar sorts of numbers and outbreaks and difficulty with uh, data acquisition, they are they have been at the front line of treatment, antiviral treatment, and they have been extremely outspoken. You have to look for it. But there are Philippine doctors going, this is the way to go. We've had marked responses. We want more of these things. We want generics. We want to get this as fast as possible. This is the future. And let me predict right now uh, two things that are going to happen uh, as a result of this. One is we're going to see viral resistance develop. The idea that the virus mutates and becomes more virulent or the evolutionary pressures of vaccine makes more mutation is false. It's not the same thing to say that something that jacks up our immune system is a treatment. It, it is, in a sense, a treatment, but it is a specific treatment of activation of the immune system, and that is not something that seems to put the same kind of evolutionary pressures on the virus that a treatment does. So when we actually do and so one is jacking the immune system up to attack the virus, treatments are giving you a chemical that kills the virus or prevents its replication. When we do treatment, that puts evolutionary pressures on the virus. There will be resistance and that resistance may be problematic. And and that's where why say in HIV we give three antivirals. We don't want that resistance to develop and I'm going to predict right now that we're going to have to get a couple of antivirals going to prevent that resistance before we walk down that miserable path, okay? Good times. All right, my friend. Good call. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Gary, how are we doing with Kate? She wanted a few minutes to review okay. the article, so we're going to okay. call her back in about five. Okay. I just want to chat with her about every general stuff. She's too, too professional. She's professional. She's she wants perfect. to be prepared. She's not just professional. She's perfectionist. I, I tried to yeah. <laughs> gently guide her. She wanted the five. She's getting right. the five. Fair enough. Danny, what's going on? Hey, Dr. Drew. Big fan. Thank you, man. Uh, thank you for joining the mommies. You, of uh, just wanted to ask a question. So this has been bothering me since I was a kid. Right. Uh, when my mother got pregnant with my sister... Um, she told me that she would be allergic to everything, to chocolate, to anything kind of normal, fruit, vegetables, whatever she wanted to eat. Um, a lot of things, you know, whatever jewelry she might have on, just the most random shit. And it was always a list and it was always changing all throughout her pregnancy. And I think when she finally gave birth, my sister was also allergic to a lot of things. Um, I was never allergic to anything. So I found it very bizarre, especially because later on, I think maybe like a year or so, uh, all those allergies went away from my mom. So what what, normal, what like do you mean? What do you mean by allergy? Uh, like literally allergic to everything. So she so gets asthma. They, asthma. They eat chocolate. And she, she would be like, uh, she would get like, I, I guess, like hives or whatever you call it. So she has like real itchy all around her body. So she gets pruritus. She gets a skin reaction <laughs> to to yeah. certain foods. Is that all she yeah. gets? Is the skin reaction? I believe that was, but my thing comes to me, uh, the question would be, um, so I was never allergic, and now every time that I eat anything dairy, like I have to go brown like, you know, fucking right. three times a day. Right. Okay, so so, so you are confusing, is, which is why we, you ha look, Danny, we have to define our terms. You're, you're confusing all, you're conflating all my kinds bad. of massively different biologies. So we are saying during pregnancy, certain mm -hmm. substances ingested orally caused a rash in your mom during the pregnancy and the specific substances changed throughout the pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. And then the whole thing went away when she um, got delivered the baby. Yeah. And we're just talking about the, um, we're just talking about skin allergies. We're not talking about asthma, eye, eye, no. eye redness, runny nose, any of those allergic symptoms. No, she okay. would just always show me her skin. So she has a skin like reaction. To, okay, first of all, and we yeah. don't even know if it's hives, right? Nobody diagnosed it, did they? Uh, I wasn't there throughout the whole process. All I was right. just, you know, getting it from her, like, later on. So what did the rash um, look like? Just big red bumps, like a bunch of them. Red bumps. And were they tiny? Mm -hmm. Were they all over the place? Were yeah. Tiny bumps. I would say uh, in mass, like, like, say she would put a certain necklace or jewelry on her neck, they would all pop up all around her neck. Okay. So that is from something called mast cell degranulation. And why her mast cell stability would be off has something to do with the pregnancy, right? When you're pregnant, you have a foreign body growing in your system. Now, there's some barrier to your system, right? The placenta creates that barrier. But the immune system alters massively during pregnancy because of this foreign body inside your body, inside yourself. 
And so uh, why she had mast cell degranulation, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting, but it's of sort of no consequence, right? That's not yeah. – I, mean, I wouldn't even call that – I mean, it's technically allergy, I guess, but I, I think it's a, such a specific thing, I wouldn't even call it an allergy. Your situation yeah. of dairy intolerance is on a, on a completely unrelated organ system, which is your GI tract, <laughs> and your ability to metabolize probably and, and absorb lactose. So for some reason, you became lactose intolerant, it sounds like. Do you also get a lot of sort yeah. of gassy rumbling and stuff in your in your? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So that's sort of typical of lactose intolerance. Lactose intolerance can develop from a diarrheal illness, from changes in your anything. It can come from anything, to be fair. But typically it comes from a previous diarrhea, antibiotic therapies, medication. Anything else going on? Is anything like that happened to you? Um, I remember it was just a few years ago. Um I randomly just got it. It was one day to the next. I went from eating cereal every single day for breakfast. One day I, I ate it, and I was on stuck on the bus, and I had to go really fucking. And that bad. was it. What's and your what's your uh, what's your ethnicity? Uh, I'm Hispanic. Okay, so because certain ethnicities have a predilection for this, that's not mm, Hispanic is a little too oh. vague for me to say anything. But but uh, I will say to develop. GI intolerances like this across the lifespan, not so unusual. I like, for instance, I had like mild eh, garlic intolerance, but I would literally eat onions when I was a kid, green onions. Now, if I touch garlic to my tongue, if I eat a fragment of an onion, I'm done for the night. I have abdominal pain and gas. It's it's ridiculous. I, I can't stand being this person. And I take... And I take bulk and un- non-absorbable, you know, uh, psyllium husk, and I take viome and this and seed and all these fancy um, probiotics. Nothing makes a difference. It's just in my genetics across the lifespan. It's how it's worked, and that's me. So, well, uh, but Danny, the one thing I would just I would learn from this conversation—it's interesting, both interesting problems—but be you have to be super specific about what it is, because people use just extremely inaccurate vocabulary and ideas when it comes to human physiology, human biochemistry, and human medicine. So you have to go, you have to go, like, narrow it down, because I, the, the, the bio, I'm going to talk to Kate Shanahan in a minute, and she'll back me up on this. The, the biochemistry of the body is in fantastically complex, and so you have to really zero in exactly what you're talking about. So thanks for the call, okay. Danny. Okay. Appreciate Thank it. You. you got it, buddy. USANA Health Sciences created USANA Active Nutrition. They sent me a box of Active Nutrition products along with being delicious. They are made with high-quality ingredients and backed with research. Some of the great new products you'll find with USANA's Active Nutrition line include the convenient peanut butter snack bar, which I carry with me, electrolyte replacement drink, and I'm always chanting about the importance of not just water, but electrolyte replacement, particularly with COVID upon us again. Visit USANA.com to see each active nutrition product for yourself and sign up as a preferred customer at checkout to save 10% on your active nutrition order. Some product restriction may apply. Support your life in motion with USANA, 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 active nutrition. AMCN, everybody, you've heard me talk about this. You don't want to get a surprise of learning that your health insurance doesn't always cover the full cost of an emergency medical flight should you need one. Even with comprehensive coverage, you can still get hit with deductibles, co-pays. Protect your family, protect your finances with an Air Medicare Network membership. As a member, if an emergency arises, the expense of air medical transport is completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. Membership costs as little as $85 a year and covers your entire household every day, even when you're away from home. That is just pennies a day. We all know that unexpected things can happen. An AMCN membership is protection no family should be without. And for a limited time, as a Dr. Drew podcast listener, you will get up to a $50 e-gift card when you join. Simply visit Air Medcare Network, AMCN, airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Drew and use that offer code Drew. Hey, everybody, the great Kate Shanahan. Kate, are you there? 
Hi, I am here. Thank you so much. So excited listen, to talk about this. Yes, first of all, let me apologize. I literally bum rushed Kate as we were going on straight the, podcast ambush. Yeah, we just ambushed her. I thought I'll see if she's available. Just I only want to talk to her for a minute. Let's let's see what's going on. And uh, it was in response. And Kate is a family practitioner. She's a biochemist. She was nutritionist for the Lakers. She has a book called Deep Nutrition. What are the other two books? We have the Fat Burn Fix yep. and Food Rules. And and. I fell in love with Kate in one sentence because she and I were talking about how about nutrition, about human physiology, and you said to me, do you remember what you said to me when I was like, okay, that's somebody I can trust and, and talk to now? Do you remember what that statement was? I think it was something about like there's limits to what we know and we should admit when we reach those. It was, it was a, a little less global and more sort of the human physiology and biochemistry is so fantastically complex – I can't say anything about anything except a couple of things which I can say for sh- which I can say for sure. And I thought, ah, perfect. So I can rely on cuz cuz as a biochemist, I mean, this is what people don't understand. They're so poorly trained in biology. I just finished a conversation with a kid where he goes, "My mom has allergies during pregnancy." I'm like, "What, what, what are we even talking about here?" And then I have allergies now. Like he was talking about lactose intolerance and he was talking about mast cell degranulation all these things. It's like you got to be very specific. And even then, when we're super specific, on a molecular level, we barely kind of understand what might be going on, correct? Absolutely. And so it really helps to frame that, you know, up, frame it all up with a lot of humility. And yes. the way we've been approaching nutrition science completely lacks that. It's all about specificity and it's not the global big picture. So that, that what you just talked about is that, you know, looking at the big picture is so important to good science, but we very often get lost uh, in our own technology and statistics. Yeah, and, I, and I think us, you know I down think, the wrong direction. And, I, and I'm not sure we've um, trained people with the proper humility and understanding that we're just talking about probability equations here. It's a, it's like trying. I keep telling people the, the best model I have of this. It's like trying to predict the behavior of clouds. We can kind of tell you where the cloud's going, but it's a cloud, and we can, you know, it sort of make sort of general kinds of ideas about it. Yes, exactly. And so, so like, well, I mean, what Deep Nutrition talks about is let's pay attention to what worked before, and, and like, that's, like, always where I go, is, like, if somebody is saying something that contradicts what people used to do for, like, forever, as far as we know, um, particularly eating, you know, animal fat or saturated fat or worrying about, you know, cholesterol-rich foods, uh, that's a contradiction to something that, that people did for probably millennia. And it's an extraordinary claim to make, and they, and they really need to really uh, recognize that and not just say, well, we did this one experiment, and now we're pretty sure that everything people used to do was wrong so let's just pay attention to this one experiment that we happen to be talking about at the moment. And, and, and I see that so often yes. in the medical literature. And the the confidence, uh, the, the sort of supreme confidence we have in uh, the canon, so to speak, uh, it becomes culty a little bit. And, and that bothers me about medicine, that we, we, we look at our authority figures and we just go, okay, well, that's it. I'm signing. He signed off. I signed off. Or she signed off. I signed off. And that's not good intellectual practice. The other thing is, thanks to Kate Canahan, you can see me at restaurants these days chewing on bones, literally with the big beef bone at my face. And that was Kate. <laughs> and that's Kate. <laughs> right? Uh, that's, uh, that always makes me happy to hear. And I don't know why. I think it's just because it's so like primal and not fussy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, there's a lot of good nutrition there close to the bone uh, with the gristle and whatnot. And so um, we have limited time today, so I want to get kind of right to it. Let me see if I if I have to frame the conversation in any way. Oh, I do want to say one thing. Since we've last spoken, uh, I've become increasingly convinced, speaking of uh, your, your sort of frame of how we used to do things, I'm increasingly thinking that starches were developed as a way, as a breakthrough to sustain calories in a preservative status, state that we like, that we find tasty and satisfying, but that had an increased potential of being stored as calorie, particularly for genetic people like me. Am I I making sense with that? In other words, I believe I'm beginning to think that starch may have a higher potential to be converted to adipose or some other storage material, whether it's 
gluconeogenesis or whatever, um, than simple sugars. Because it's that's, that, really, that's really interesting. Um, it, you know, it, it may it may I hadn't really thought about that, but both of them are. I think um, more likely to be converted to fat than actual fat. Right. And I think that's maybe an interesting point too. See, I think I, don't I think you've that, already I, been talking about. Well, that. I've just been, I've just, I've switched my diet around a bunch, and I eliminated starch, eliminated carbohydrate, and I started adding back simple sugars. And I was like, that doesn't bother me. I can have a little simple sugar, and I'm fine. But when I have a a, bar, a piece of bread. I, I'm different. I'm, I'm altered. I'm, I'm not the same. I, I really? perform, everything is different. And I thought, God, this has something to do with how my body, at least how my insulin response goes to starch. And probably I started thinking about your theory about how things were, that we've, we found our way to breads and starches for a reason. They, they stored over time. We like them. And they really increase. We could have, have a small amount and store it as fat. Interesting, Exactly, right? yes. Yeah. It's stored energy, right? Yeah. And, it, and it, it's a very, like, I think but, it is more efficiently stored as fat. But we weren't meant to be, we weren't meant to be eating banana, mu- you know, nut muffins, you know, and banana loaves. We, you know what I mean? We were meant to, we were meant, I think as we evolved with starches, we were probably meant to eat a, a, a crumb of that, a piece of that. Uh, as a way of, you know, over time keeping calories in. But enough said about that. I want to get to this article. I have limited time. You tweeted an article about, uh, talk about it, this article that really sort of called into question some of the current orthodoxy around lipids and heart disease. Yeah, so the name of the article is uh, 100 Years of Diet Heart Research, Good Science, Junk Science, and honest mistakes. And what it's doing is calling to question the orthodoxy that saturated fat causes heart disease and pointing out that it is an orthodoxy. There's very little uh, good research to support it. And most of it, most of this whole theory that's been accepted for 100 years rests on a series of experiments that were done over 100 years ago. Mm. And, and the author points out that why would anybody... Actually, I'm just going to quote it because it's a really great quote. Why would anyone sensibly rely on and attempt to further perpetuate research results originally reported more than a century ago? This is um, this is an opinion article, right? So it's like they're they're saying, look, we we aren't reporting on any new research we just did. We're we're reviewing a lot of research that's already been done. And our opinion is that we need to shift our way of thinking in a big way around heart disease, right? So if they're being honest, that it's an opinion article. And I just want to point out that the author here is a gentleman named Martin Grutfeld, who is a giant in the field of lipid oxidation, which means um, Basically, he's an expert in why we shouldn't be eating seed oils the way, the way that we are and to the amount that we are, why we shouldn't process them, why we shouldn't, you know, use them as our frying fat and why the American Heart Association is wrong in, in saying that we actually need to eat more seed oil. So this Martin Grootfeld is like his so anointed, like he's like the Pope of lipid science. Well, so like, so, so just so we, we give people some takeaway, mobile. what are the fats they should be consuming? Well, it, he says that um, the, and I, this is something I agree with, the traditional fats that we used to consume, like butter, tallow, lard. Um, animal fats. You know, animal fat, yeah. And um, they're, he says it's because they're much more stable to what happens during heating, and particularly important when we're talking about restaurant deep fryers. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of the work that Dr. Grootfeld has done over the past, like he's been in business for probably 60 years, I know at least 50 years, um, a lot of the work that he's done in that half century has been around the dangers of deep fried foods, which he's reported some of them have like more than 300 times the upper limit of certain toxins. And there's multiple toxins. And that by, all by car- tar- toxins, you mean carcinogens, things that cause cancer. Yeah, carcinogens and and other kinds of toxins, things that disrupt your uh, DNA but don't cause cancer. They just mm. might cause birth defects. Sheesh. Things that are toxic to your liver mm. that cause fatty liver. So really a variety of toxins and certainly things that uh, that oxidize 
your cholesterol-carrying particles and can cause heart disease. And that's kind of what this, the thrust of this article was all about, is that the theory that saturated fat causes heart disease is so flawed, um, and we have such better explanations for what causes heart disease, and it really boils down to, to oxidation of the unstable fats in these seed oils, like corn and soy that we're all eating, and that, you know, it, this is just so relevant because in a, a little while, seed oils are going to be the only kind of fat that restaurants are able to use Jesus, in their frying that's fat, crazy. In their, you know, in their deep fryers. Oh, my God. Because they're making, they're making hydrogenated um, fats, trans fats, illegal. And those are oh actually more stable and healthier than seed oils. That's what this doctor says. Um, and he's the expert in it. He's been studying them. More, like, longer than anybody else I can think of. So you can get the article following Kate on Twitter at Kate with a C, C-A-T-E, Shanahan, S-H-A-N-A-H-A-N. And the article is a little bit down the page, so you'll see it. And then, lastly, before I let you go, and I, I may want to get you back soon to talk about, look into his whole story about oxidated oxidized lipids and, and insulin. And, and there's more to that story in apolipoproteins that you and I have never really discussed. But I'd, I'd love to see if you see anything there that sort of is corollary to my starch story. But before I let you go, fats and COVID, has that bared out the way you thought? Yeah, 100%. So, uh, you know, over a year and a half ago now, I actually was on uh, real time with Bill Maher saying to uh, the world that if we had eliminated seed oils five years ago, we wouldn't have anybody over, un, I'm sorry, under 65 in the intensive care unit dying from COVID because the polyunsaturated fatty acids build up in our body fat and they, they're released when we're really sick in the intensive care unit because we're not eating. So these, these seed oils from our body fat are oxidized in our bloodstream. And that is, I think, the main cause of the cytokine storm and so many of these other really terrible outcomes that even now children, we're seeing that it, there's not a lot of children who get sick with COVID, but some of the children who get sick with COVID are getting really serious problems. They're getting blood clots, they're having strokes, and these are permanent things. And it's because of the seed oils. And the research just keeps supporting that. Like, it just keeps showing um, that there's an association with the main fatty acid in seed oils, which is called linoleic acid. There's an association with breakdown products of linoleic acid and all these terrible consequences of COVID. So, yes, it's, that's why I love biochemistry so much, because you can make predictions like this, like, I, you know, like that. That was before any of this research came out. And it's, a, it's like math. It's like how, um, uh, you know, Newton and Einstein and those super smart people made predictions about the nature of the universe because it's like the, the math of the body. Biochemistry is like the math of the body. It allows you to make these predictions. And, um, it, and it's a very powerful tool that I think more doctors should geek out on. Well, Kate, I got to leave it right there. Thank you for jumping onto the, the phone here. We appreciate it so much. And I'll get you in here for a longer conversation soon. Thank you so much. You got it's a it. pleasure. And I'll, just re- I'll retweet the article. Beautiful. Make it easier for folks. Kate Chan, everybody. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. 